This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. And now we have a treat for sports fans everywhere. It's really important that professional athletes learn what uh, to say and how to deliver their message. You've got a great first half. Make sure you keep the ball doing the work. We're still looking to get it in the wide areas. First of all, it's the correct stadium design, but also the correct pitch construction. And that clash, that rivalry comes together with that traditional white blocked against that more modern and contemporary neon color. All these events live on the programme. We'll continue to do our best to cover sport in the way that you like, backed up by our highly professional team. Grandstand starts now on BFM 89.9. And I am back. Hey, thanks for joining me. Another episode of Grandstand. It's a different look at... uh, It's an alternative look at sports. Uh, We talk to sports people about the sports they are in. And this week, uh, let me introduce a man synonymous with, with racing in Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Alex Jung. It's good to be here, if I can just turn that right down a bit. But yeah, good to see you, Ross. Yeah, yeah, you, you're looking great, Alex. You, you're looking better than you... Well, you're looking very fit still. Well, I just had a haircut. <laughs> it does help, it does help. So, I mean, Alex, it's been what? 2001. Minardi Grand Prix in Italy, right? That was when it all started. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the... Well, not for me. I mean, well, no, but, 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 but that was when recognition... Was, I mean, as far as driving goes, that's the I, highest. Yes, obviously, as far as like, the explosion of awareness of who I was, 2001, Italian Grand Prix was a big deal. And obviously, it was a culmination of many years' work. So, yeah, do, yeah that do, was a big deal for me, too. Do you remember exactly how you felt that, that weekend in Italy? Um, well, yeah, yes and no. I mean... Yes, I do. I do. The simple answer is yes. Um, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a very intense weekend, obviously, because don't forget, that was also the weekend just after September 11th. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. It was a real weird weekend because um, there was so many other bigger things at play as, as, um, around that weekend. But yeah, big, big weekend. Do you, looking back, I mean, it's what, a couple of years you spent in F1. Do you reckon, no disrespect to Minardi and all that, but do you reckon if you had a better car? Things might have been different. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had a better car, for sure, things would have been different. But to be honest, um, there were there were a lot of other things at play that uh, um, it was a little bit too soon for me as well. I think um, coming up through the ranks at the time, you know, you you tend to look at the people of your age. Of your you were fast though. You, no, you but, were but naturally, uh, you were naturally fast no but there's a that's you need to get a level of experience with certain things and it's not just about driving a car it's about knowing about the environment around and how to manage that environment and massage it so you can get the best out of yourself as a sportsman um because there are many other factors in play so having that i didn't have that experience so in with retrospect now how how would how could it have been done differently uh, no, for me, there's no way it could have been done differently. I, I was the, the first guy from Malaysia. You had I, to, there was going to be someone. It was, yeah. Exactly. And it's always a learning process. It's a, it's, a whole, it's a whole society learning process. So the next guy will be better. The next guy yeah. after that will be better and better and better. So it's, it's, that's how it is. Don't forget, growing up in Malaysia in the 80s and 90s, there is no motorsport. There is no motorsport, exactly. And there's no idea of Formula One as well. Which leads me to, to my, my next question, really. I mean, everybody knows you from F1 but obviously you 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 mentioned that it's a long road from driving what go-karts to yeah to the cockpit of an F1 car yeah and it's very specialized you know I mean you know I work do a lot more driver coaching these days and uh, we work about 
lots talent development by getting them the best out of them. And I've just realized, just realized how something like Formula One is very specialized. You, you really need to be with the right go-kart team as an eight, nine, ten-year-old. So and then you've got to find your way up through the ranks with those right teams as well. Okay, going back to eight, nine, ten-year-old Alex, what was your weekends like? Your dad would take you to a track, you'd spend all weekend racing, is that? No, dude, I'm, I, I would be in, I'd be in OUG or Auckland Road <laughs> um, doing my... Doing, doing my, naughty stuff. D- 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 well, actually, you know, I was quite fortunate, so I had, you know, we, we, I used to motocross at that age. Okay. So we would play around with that quite a bit, but there was no go-karting. I mean, there was some go-karting, in the, in the 80s and 90s but it was very small so how did it start how did the love for cars uh, just begin? pure luck my friend uh, my father uh, used to rally and race cars in the 80s well from the 70s 80s 90s and um, he had a 10 year lease in the Shah Alam circuit so that's how it's pure luck dude um, I had the opportunity um, and I, I I had the family that had the desire as well um, and, and we went from there and we had to make it up as we went because you know there was no idea about how to do it, uh, it not, not like now there are no specialist classes like, like no, there no colleges <laughs> no so who were people you looked up to in, in those days um I really didn't. In those days, I was a bit of a stubborn git. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like looking up at other people. There wasn't anyone I really looked up to. Not um, even an Ayrton Senna. You didn't. No, I didn't like him actually. Growing up, I only started to appreciate him in '93. He was doing some wonderful stuff in an uncompetitive McLaren, which you know you just couldn't help but notice because um, he always knew when he was at his peak, he had the best car and the best team and stuff, and you just can't compete against anyone else when you, you you tend to get put on a pedestal people love to put people absolutely, on a pedestal absolutely especially right? f1 I mean, champions right well, man united you know darren fletcher or something you know, not, <laughs> in, in another in another team no sort of success you know what i mean you have to be part of the whole team so i mean i only really appreciated Senna when he was doing miracles in 93 there must have been someone you looked up to driving well, um, quietly, uh, yeah, he, I just liked seeing exciting races. So I liked seeing people do things that were difficult. So like, um, I suppose when PK uh, was, mm. won his 83 championship and he threw up in his helmet in the last race and somehow managed to finish, <laughs> that was impressive. Or when, you know, Nigel Mansell's always crashing and pushing his car across <laughs> the finishing line and that sort of stuff, that, that's pretty yeah. impressive. So, particular events, I suppose. Um, yeah, things like that, I suppose. Well, when, when you're on the grid, I mean, how do you, how do you clear your mind? And, and li- literally, what do you think? Do you think i got to beat the guy directly on my left first? And no. Is there a technique or what? Is it just foot down? Um, yeah, people always go about, oh, how don't you get nervous in the okay. car and stuff? And, and the real answer is no, not at all. Um, I get excited. I mean, when you first do these sort of things, you have these crazy butterflies in your stomach when you first do it because you don't know what the hell heck you're doing. But um, you become professional. And they that, disappear. And that's what practice is all about, you know, where you, you have your game face on. I mean, you, you hear about sports all the time, you know, game face. You learn. That's not something that comes instantly or naturally. I mean, it comes easier to some people than others, but you still have to work at it. Hmm. And eventually, if you're doing it long enough, as soon as you put on the helmet, you're already in that mode. You know, you don't even have to think about it. You're just there straight away. Where you're, you're heightened, your yep. awareness is yep. heightened, yep. you're excited 
um, but you're focusing on the job. Different but, levels. Yeah, but you don't expend any energy on useless emotion. <laughs> and sometimes nervousness is useless exactly. emotion. Exactly. You don't have to deal with people not indicating in front of you and yeah. stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so after Formula One, um, you, you just stuck with racing. You went into jam car racing. Yeah, yeah. As, um, I suppose you can call that? me... How yeah. did you get into that? Yeah, um... The, uh, struggle to be honest um you could call me a journeyman i guess i went around america australia did some racing all over the place that's I'd, experience right that you yeah can't yeah buy. well yeah and um you know you're just trying to get in these markets and you're like, hey i've got this in my background like, oh, from malaysia let's give you a go and see if we can find sponsors for you and then sponsors like no mm. malaysian here in Austra- america mm. or australia mm. there's no real interest and stuff um, and uh, couldn't quite get the results to kind of sway people. Although they were promising, it was nothing to write home about. So never managed to make something really work well until A1, I suppose. Mm. A1, A1 GP was good for me because, you know, to win five races against tough fields that had people like Nico Hockenberg. That, that reintroduced right. you and, and that put you back in, in the limelight. Kind of, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's still very difficult. Don't forget the most motorsports is Eurocentric. Yeah. So they're going to look for European stars, unless you can kind of break in and do something special. And that's something the Japanese boys realize. You know, Japanese drivers kind of stay at home because the market's good there. But when they come to Europe, um, it's very hard to break in. You know, you you have some few exceptions, like Mm. Takuma Sato Mm -hmm. is doing Mm -hmm. it well Mm -hmm. in IndyCar. Um, But there is a love in in the country. I mean, like, Malaysians love F1. I'm sure they'd want another Formula One driver, no? Yeah, well, I I think... You know, Formula One is a very exciting sport. It's like football. Um, but we just need more platforms here locally. If you really want to grow a sport, and it's something we've spent a lot of time thinking about over the last couple of years, is we need to grow more local platforms. Because what I've realized is you need to grow motorsport fans. Because yeah. if you grow motorsport fans, yeah. they will always love Formula One. Yeah. Through bad years, good years, whatever, they will always love Formula One. If you grow Formula One fans... They don't like motorsport like necessarily. Stuff, yeah. And when their drivers stop competing, yeah. they drop Formula 1 like a hot potato. Do you know how many people I know who say, I've stopped watching Formula 1 since Senna died or I've stopped yeah. since Schumacher stopped? See, that's a big difference. Cause think about it this way, um, Ross. What about China with football? China didn't care about football, right? No. But in 10 years, you've seen how ch- football has grown there. And that's because of the Chinese Football League. Yep. So you have to have the local home, dra- but, home ground yeah, that, That's platforms. a lot ploughed into the Chinese Football League to make it successful yes, as but well. Yes, it, but right? it's local, so people can see and touch it. Yeah, yeah. So that's why it's grown. So, so it, I mean, what you're saying now, the the fact that F, uh, F1 is no more in Malaysia at Sepang doesn't help? Doesn't, no? Um, no, it doesn't mean anything to me, to be honest. Um, no, but to, to budding wannabe. No, no, nothing at all. We, to be honest, we, we, we saw like when Formula One came in, like when I went to Formula One, there was a small little surge of more kids entering the sport for a short while. But it soon became clear there was nothing for them to, to um, graduate into. You'd have to send them to Europe, yeah, where, where budgets are just yeah, so yeah, yeah. crazy that most kids, are they, they can't do it. Very few exceptions could do it. That's the problem we have with snooker, with everything. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I think we've got great snooker players in Malaysia. Have you tried playing some local lads? Look, uh, we've got a lot of talent in Malaysia. We've got a lot. I've, I've, I've worked, I've been in Bukajalo training for a good 15, 20 years now. And there's so much talent that comes in and sometimes they just they stop mm. because they don't, they don't have access, access to the right programs. Out of the 
all your drives then, what, you, you've been in F1, you've been in Champ Car, you've had Porsche, Porsche Carrera Cup, you, you drove in that, V8 supercars. Yep. What's your most favourite to drive? Um, well, if you want to talk about just driving pleasure for one yeah, lap, you can't pleasure. you can't stop beat Formula One. I mean, you're they're so quick. You just watch the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah. I, I tell you, you know, it's you can try and get the, you know remember those old Atari video games where you're like going through like and you're trying to avoid cars you, yeah, and it you just literally don't blink and go right. faster and faster. <laughs> yeah. faster. That's what it's like for Monaco Grand Prix in a Formula One car. So nothing can beat that experience. Lewis Hamilton after that that chase at the Monaco Grand Prix we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how how shattered would he have been physically? Well, he's been doing Formula One for many years, so he wouldn't have been too bad. But if you get a first-year Formula One driver, he completely shattered. And if you try to put a normal guy into that sort of experience, he would have crashed within half a lap. Um, the in, the concentrations intensity for like Formula One Monaco are like nothing you mm. can ever experience. I've, I've never experienced it in any other kind of sport anything close uh, okay well, one thing I want to talk to you about is Le Mans you, you drove in the yeah. in Le Mans right now this is interesting enough Le Mans is the other end of the spectrum you the, the intensity is very low at Le Mans because we got long straight because it's a 24 hour race yeah. but the trick is you're in the you're sometimes in a car for 3 or 4 hours yeah. um, so it's to maintain the concentration because of the, the you're still doing 330 kilometers per hour but you're doing it down a straight and and for for for, for drivers like us, boring, boring as heck. We we want we fall asleep at 330 kilometers per hour, <laughs> especially at four in the yeah, morning. Or yeah, something, right? So it's <laughs> intensity is very much less, but the race is incredible, and the racing is incredible because the racing is is very interesting. You you can overtake, um, and to work with your teammates to try and um, construct a winning team to get to the end is is an incredible experience. Um, not the same intensity, but still incredible for different reasons. Brilliant stuff. Uh, I'm talking to Alex Young. We're finding about finding out all about Malaysia's ace racing driver. We're going for a, a very, very short break. Uh, back with more right after this. More Grandstand coming right up on BFM 89.9. Best flipping moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Grandstand on BFN 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. We are back and we're talking to Alex Jung. Alex, mm-hmm. you enjoying yourself so far? Yes, always with you, mate. Now, I, I, we, we actually come clean now. We're recording this a, a week before the Champions League final. I know Alex is a massive Liverpool <laughs> fan. So Alex, it's either well done on your sixth or <laughs> commiserations. Two defeats in a row. Bad stuff. Man, <laughs> I don't know how Klopp is going to handle it if he has another final defeat. No, but joking aside, it's been a phenomenal year for your favourite football oh, club. It's been so enjoyable to watch. It's been great. It's really, no, it really has been. I mean, they, they're going to be champions. They carry on like this. Yeah, You've got yeah. the right guys, and, and right. It's, it's it pains ca- me to say this. It's kind of crazy how it's changed. You know, I mean, Klopp and Pep, and Pep. You know, the way the, those two teams play compared to how, say, Mourinho was getting success a few years ago. It's, it's just completely different, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Let's not talk about football. Mm. Football's for the other show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about your your little man, mm. Alistair. Yeah. He, he's behind the wheel now. I see pictures of him. He's growing up to be a strapping yeah. young lad. Yeah. Is yeah. he fast as well? Um, yeah. He's he's 
Very naturally talented. Um, he started a bit late, to be honest. He only started at 13. Um, to be honest, I didn't really want to do that because. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, how was it? Was it struggles? Well, no, purely for selfish reasons. You know, if, if I have a weekend off, the last thing I want to do is go down to a go kart track. Um, and I spend yeah, my weekend selfish. there, you know. What I mean? um, and also, I, I, you know, the you to to do to push drivers or any sportsman at a young age, you have to push them because even though they say they want it, they 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 don't know how to they don't know how to do the work ethic. You know what I mean? So you have to push them. And I'm no interest in pushing my kid like that because it also you also have to deal with a lot of resentment later on. Yeah. But how so, did it start? Well, he just kept pushing me for it, to be honest. Brilliant. And Brilliant. so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm happy to do that if you're willing to push for it. So that's what happened. So, so did you just go, bugger, oh that's all my weekend's gone now? Well, no, because <laughs> let, let's be honest, I, I'm not one of those dads because it, it's very easy to start feeling um, annoyed yeah. by yourself because yeah. if your kid doesn't perform, you're like, look, I'm putting in the effort. You need to put in the effort. But that's the wrong approach because people then start saying, look what I'm doing for you, which is totally the wrong thing. I didn't want him to ever feel that he owed me anything. But do you then go the other way? Do you, do you no, it, it's try a, and be too no, pally? It's, no, I, this is not about being pally or not. I'm still the dad. I know. I don't need to be his friend. He, he, you know, as soon as, as he hits 18, if he wants to leave, that, fine with me. No, yeah. or, no issue. Um, but I don't, I don't want him to feel that he need he ever has to grow up feeling that he owes me anything, because okay. uh, it's it's I it's it's a lot of baggage a lot of people carry around for a while, and I, and, and I want him to be the best example of himself he can be. What's he driving now? Um, what's he driving now? He's driving something called Formula Four. So you know he he puts he puts in all the work himself really. Um, I try and help him as much as I can, and to be honest, it's a real pleasure. Um, you know, it is very expensive. Does he ask you for advice? Yeah, he does. And to be honest, it is very expensive. But it's it's really nice seeing your kid interested in something. You know what I mean? Um, because you know there are many pitfalls growing up. Teenage years can yeah. be tricky. But to see your kid interested and focused in doing stuff, because it's very easy. Worse, he could be an OUG hanging out. Well, right. uh, <laughs> it, there, there's that. But but you know, it's it's very easy. It's like, um, oh, Dad, I want to go out with my friends tonight and say, like, okay, that's fine. Off you go. But um, I don't have to set him a curfew. I'm like, if you got training tomorrow, then you know what you, what know. you need to do. Right, yeah. And he knows what to do. So he self-disciplines himself. But you force him to support Liverpool. No, I didn't. That was a mistake. Because <laughs> he do now you know supports story? United. No, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> so I decided to be very hands-off. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to tell him what religion to choose or whatever. So I was very much like... So I used to get a lot of questions from him. like, Papa, you know... Um, in school, you know, uh, thought done, so anyway, so he, was, he asked me what religion I was, and I was like, it's, it's, I don't know, I'll, I'll tell you one day when you're older, but it's up to you to go and absolutely, see. Absolutely, absolutely. So he comes home one day and he says, Kudos, yeah. yeah, so he comes home one day and he says, Papa, I'm decided I'm going to be a Christian. I was like, oh, okay, that's good, that's interesting. Um, because he, at school he had heard about... Um, the Jesus story and um, about going to hell if you didn't believe it so he was very much like are you going to go to hell and it's like <laughs> listen mate um, there are lots of other religions also you got to be Best if you're listening I know some other stories mate yeah. about your dad but this is the funny thing uh, this didn't bother me at all but he comes back two weeks later and he says hey papa you know what I'm a Chelsea supporter and I was like oh <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. That I'm was really, really painful. Yeah. So I should have indoctrinated him about the football team way ahead. So that's something maybe I, I, I should have I should have done. Well, you, you can't hold their hands forever, Alex. You know, 
Yeah, exactly. So if he came to you tomorrow and said, listen, race, I'm done with racing. I want to do acting now. Would you throw a fit? No, no. Um, that's, that's, again, my point of me trying not to think it's my journey. Because mm. if it's his, his journey, if he does change, then I have no resentment. Whereas if I felt it was my journey, then, yeah, I mm. guess I'd be really ticked off. I'd be like, why are you, you know? I only get ticked off if he doesn't put in the effort at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as he's fair doing enough. his best, yeah. then th that's it's fair. Okay, cool. Um, all right, everybody knows Alex Young from behind the wheel in a car, but tell us a little bit about your water skiing as well, because hmm. you won medals. Yeah, so um, when I was younger, I was too big to fit, in, too small to fit in a car, so we took up water skiing as a good way to waste energy. Did, on. Did, does, your, does your dad just push you guys into? No, he didn't at all, actually. Um, he was never around, to be honest. He was too busy working. Okay. But now he's, he's kind of retired. He's with um, my siblings every day. And it's great to see. Cause he's my, owning them. Oh, yeah. They're doing really well. You know, um, they're, they're all really world-class juniors, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and um, we have high hopes for them for the future. Uh, Aliyah is going to be a world champion, right? Yeah, I mean, there's still a long way to go, but I think she's ranked two in the world for under-17s, um, or under-18s it is. So she's doing really well. Um, yeah, but it's a, it, it's a bit like, I suppose, I remember Nicole, when Nicole David was coming through at this age group. She was number one in the world for age group, but everyone was saying how she was going to be world champion, but people forget there was a period of adjustment mm. when she became a senior. There was a good two, three-year period where she wasn't physically strong enough and she wasn't making the progress everyone thought. So that's going to come to Aaliyah as well. Okay. She's going to have that dip at some stage. Where's the circuit? Where, where, where do you...? Well, she'll need to go to America most yeah. probably. Um, that's where most of the water skiing does, Florida and specifically. Your dad would do that as well, wouldn't Oh, he'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you also... Mm -hmm. to, uh, you, what, you came back, represented us in the SEA Games. Tell us yep. a little bit about that. How did that come about? You were that good. I just wanted to lose weight, man. <laughs> um, I well, was. So normal people would sign up with a gym? No, right? I, I, I can't do gym. I mean, I, I, I needed a competition to get me to get in the gym. So I was 34. I was still driving, doing well. Um, but it wasn't really challenging enough. Um, so I needed something to really scare me a bit. So jumping back in the water was very scary because the sport's really tough in your body and you tear your... I mean, my, my MCLs, both knees are torn just because you're not strong enough mm. and you just things get torn all the time. So it's really scary. Like, it'd keep you up at night. But it really focuses your mind mm. and that made me lose weight and get fit. And I was just fortunate enough that I managed to snatch a gold as well at the SEA Games. <laughs> very fortunate. Brilliant stuff. I mean, mm. it, it's, it's comic book. Stuff, well, I was, right? bit, I was just a bit lucky. I mean, C game standard is not that high, let's be honest. I mean, okay, if, you okay. know, no, you're saying that it is still, it, it's everybody, it's the best of each country from Southeast Asia, yeah, Come on. yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, no, but it was good. I mean, it was, it was really enjoyable, and also it, it, it meant because I was able to water ski more, I was able to interact with my family a lot more, who I don't normally see because they're busy water skiing. I'm, I got my other side of my life, which is motor racing. Mm. So, having to go down the lake meant I got to see people I a lot more who I really enjoy spending time with. Now, do you? Do you Touch base with the family oh, now I'm too busy, man. The last really? year has been pretty busy. Um, so, yeah, it's a temporary thing at the moment. Uh, well, no, it's not that temporary. I'm going to be doing this for a few more years. But yeah, work is work is definitely uh, taking up a lot of time. And you you keep fit now? Do you do you, you don't no. gym obviously? No, well, I do. I try and do as much as I can, but it's it's 
it's getting less you less. go to Bali that's your exercise <laughs> <laughs> alright brilliant stuff uh, another short break when we come back we'll, we'll find out all about Alex's company Axel Motorsports and what they are doing that is next a view of sports from every angle this is Grandstand Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. Sit back, talk sports, and play ball. This is Grandstand. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. We are back talking to Alex Jung. We've heard all about Alex's journey from learning to walk to behind the, uh, the wheel of a Formula One car. Uh, Alex, you, you've you've got a company called Axel Motorsports, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, tell us what you do, because you, you've got a lot to do with the automotive college as well. Um, yeah, used to. Um, so Axel, um, I, I formed that about ten years ago, okay. and we used it. We built race cars. Actually, we did some racing um, around the region. Though there wasn't much racing to be I, honest. I like what you did with your name for the uh, mm. yeah. oh, That was purely accidental. Really? No. <laughs> oh, not um, called Gearbox Motorsports. Yeah, though, I yeah. <laughs> um, so what happened? Yeah, so but then um I obviously um Tony Fernandez went off and did Team Lotus and Caterham and he very flatteredly asked me to come head driver development. So I I went off and did that for a few years and it was a great experience. Um, but that means Axel was put put on, uh, had to mothball it for a while. Um, but then, you know, about two years ago, I could see the driving was winding down. The offers weren't coming in so much. Um, so I was like, all right, I need to fire this baby back up again because mm-hmm. um, I'm not really qualified to do anything. And once the driving stops, I need to find an income for myself. So you need to fund those trips to Bali. Still, yeah, right? exactly. And, and don't forget, there's a there's a little boy, little <laughs> little big mini me that costs a lot of money to go motor racing. So. We, um, Axel Motorsport was started up again, um, and I'm doing it with, uh, Belinda, Belinda Xavier, um, old friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So we've been, um, doing a lot of grassroots development around the region. Um, and, and, and are, are there a lot of talent? There's a lot of talent. Um, so that's, that's what's really interesting to do. I mean, like last year, um, we worked with Sepang Circuit and doing all the four wheel development, um, putting kids in programs, um. So that was really good. Um, you know, they were very supportive, and and um, yeah, it was really good to get back into the local motorsport and and try and give back to that, shall we say? That that's one part of it. Mm. Uh, now the other part is is all the esports mm. that that we're, we're hearing about. Yeah, I understand Axel's involved in it, and and yep. now e racing is a thing. Yeah, can you tell us? Please? So I don't like hitting my head against the wall. Constantly, and and one of the thing that's up with a lot. Try being a Man United fan yeah. this season, mate. You're talking to a Liverpool fan. Dude. <laughs> you got nothing on. You got nothing on us, all right? Nothing. Um, so, what we could see was, you know, Sepang Circuit is great. It's doing a lot for the drug kids coming up and stuff, but it's only one venue, and the motorsport industry wasn't growing. And a lot of our conversations with sponsors and stuff was, but motorsports is very small here, and we realised that's because there's a bottleneck. It's not because people aren't interested in it. People are really interested in it, but there's just no way to touch and seal it. So, okay, while we wait for the next circuit to get built, or next three or four circuits to get built, which could take 10, 15, I don't know how many years to do it, we thought... You've lost generations of drivers. Yeah, so what's the most effective way to do this? And we thought, eSports. And the more we looked into eSports, we realized how big it is and how incredible it is. Um, there's so many good things about it. There's, 
A, the numbers, mm -hmm. you know, there's a hidden generation from mainstream media and mainstream sponsorship, which are all these kids who spend money in video games. I mean, I was introduced to my son. He spends hours watching YouTube. I used to get slapped across my head. Yeah, but they're not playing video games. They're watching other people <laughs> play video games. You know what I mean? So it's a whole culture yeah, we have yeah, no yeah. idea about. And as I got to get into it more, there are a lot of good things about it. You know, it's a real... Um, equalizing it, it really makes everyone equal you mm -hmm. know because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter uh, what size you are yeah. how big you are yeah. what sex yeah. you yeah. are what race you are if you're good on it on esports you're good and that's all that matters and I really like that I really like that idea and also e-racers these skills are transferable we see these guys who play these video games and they come and get into a real race car and they are there they are very quick straight away you're seriously telling me some kid from Churras who can blindingly do really well on a PS4, yeah. say wins all the circuits around the world on his PS4, mm. he could be good behind the wheel. Absolutely. He'll need some minor adjustment, obviously, because when you get into a real race car, you need to, to know what's going on. But absolutely. We've seen it. I've also personally seen it. Um, the case studies on an international level, and I've also seen it on a local level, these kids jump in, and they are there straight away. And it's really, really impressive. So we thought, wow, this is a great way to reach a wider base, um, and it's, let's see what we can do with it, you know. Mm -hmm. And and the response has been really great. Good. So now it's up to us to at Axel Motorsport to try and do it well, um, so that we can show sponsors that motorsports and e-racing mm. is a credible thing to get involved with, mm. because that's one thing that's happened with Formula One is it's there's it's it's killed a lot of sponsors' desires to get into motorsports because you just didn't get the ROI. Formula One was too expensive, yep. and the local racing was just so hidden that there wasn't any returns. So when you go see sponsors, there's a huge credibility issue. Mm. So I'm trying to change that. Mm. So I'm trying to use e-racing and e-sports as a way to combine the two and show that we can give value back to our sponsors. If we do that, then I think that long we can help make the long-term future of both sports uh, healthy. So, so okay, I understand that um, there's a big championship coming up at end of June. Yeah. So we start time trials end of June. We run all the way through July, and then semifinals. Explain wait, wait, what what time trials? What you, you, you. Okay, so basically, um, people. I'm not going to say kids. People can come down and um, come to where our venues are, and we'll be at shopping malls. Our first one will be at um, Sunway Putra, mm -hmm. um, you know, the old mega mall. Mm -hmm. um, and you get on our simulators and see if you can set a time. Pay the entry fee, of course. Get a free T-shirt yeah. and, and see if you can set a time. And. Um, at the end of this month of time trialings, you know, allow people to come in, try, and then if they want to go back and practice on their PlayStation, and then come back and try again, and see if they can improve their time. What game are, you, are we talking about? Uh, Gran Turismo. Okay. So GT Sport yeah. on, on, on the PS4, because it's the most accessible. Yeah. Otherwise, a lot of the other good sim games, you have to have a really high-powered PC. And so you're starting with the worst car? In, in Gran Turismo? What, no, what? no, no, no. So we will set the car on the track. Okay. I mean, people will just come and try it. Okay. And by the end of July, but top 45, we could go in for a top 45 so semifinal. So all the timings they set, they're all serious business here. Yeah. And how how do they differ to the kids in the States or in Japan? Are we the same standard? Do you well, know? that's the thing, you see. If you put in the practice, there's no reason why you can't be because you have access to the exact same thing, which is another reason to do it. And that's why we see in other esports, Malaysia does very well. You know, we see our boys and girls going overseas and doing it. And exactly the same thing can happen in the racing. The problem is there's never been any platforms. 
and everything. You talk about snook, yeah, you talk yeah, multiple, yeah. no platforms. This would have been the answer when, yeah. when to your mum and dad when yeah. they slapped you across the head going, what are you going to do when you grow up? So, you go, well, eSports, dad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're trying to provide platforms. You know, I've been asked in the past to make race teams for eSports. To, we can just start teams, we can start doing training here, we can enter foreign co- co- tournaments. But I'm like, what's the point of that? We're still competing abroad. Yeah. Okay, yes, it's on the internet, but it's still basically Eurocentric. Okay. So I wanted something here, offline, and I wanted to make it mainstream. Mm-hmm. So people can come down and see and touch it. And, and So I'm, this is going to be the be-all, the end-all, the, the, the yardstick that people will judge hopefully, driving hopefully. Well, I mean, our, our vision is... Not just for one year. We're going to be doing this for a long time, and and I can. I'm. We're already planning to see how it will morph because it will morph um, and it will change as year in year out. This this industry is too fast moving. It will not be the same. So the form next year's format will change, and then who knows? If we do a good job, we make our drivers superstars. Yeah. Um, then maybe we can start playing to stadiums. Wow. You know, like other esports. Yeah. So that's the big goal here: is to try and do this well. So we have we've set ourselves a big task um, to promote it well and to organize it well, and to try and get it on mainstream media. Yeah. Because you know that's the other good thing about e-racing. Yeah. You watch e-race, mom and pop can follow it. Yeah. If you watch Dota or League of Legends, unless you play the game, you have no idea what's going no, on. That's right. But e-racing, anyone can follow. So yeah. we're trying to get it to go mainstream. Not the same if you're good at FIFA, though, right? You're, it doesn't mean you're good at football because yeah. I'm playing ultimate level, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the exact point. Those skills aren't transferable. No. I mean, I, I suppose shooting game skills are transferable, yeah, yeah. but you're not really allowed to go and <laughs> shoot people. So motor racing really is the most transferable sport for for esports, and and I think it can be the the vanguard for esports to get it, it more mainstream. It is the mainstream. future, right? You, yeah. you seriously believe it? And, yes. And yeah, okay. So I'm not gonna have a go at my kid for playing games and doing that stuff anymore. All right, I'm running out of time rapidly. Let me just ask you this. Where do you see Alex Jung in 10 years from now? What did you say, Bali? No. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a different island by then. You would have bought Bali by then. Well, I'm, I don't like doing those 10-year things. Um, okay. and I know people like to say that. but Yeah, but do you see yourself feet, feet up, beach, residence? Or do you still see yourself working? I, well, You're still a young man. I, I plan to, you know, I think I'll still be working. Um, it's one thing is that even when I do take my foot off the gas, and I have up until last year for about a good four or five years, I've taken my foot off the gas. Even when I do that, um, I, I still end up taking on projects. So I, I don't think I'll be doing nothing. Okay. Well, brilliant stuff, Alex. Thank you so much for, for coming in and, and talking to us. Um, you got any advice for, for budding E-drivers or, or, or Formula One budding drivers out there? Don't, don't think it's um, out of your hands. It is Everything's in your hands. Um, come sign up for the tournament. But most, more importantly, do your research. There's a lot of good stuff on the internet about how to improve your driving, how to understand car setup, how to understand the whole culture of the business. Um, and if you do well and you get into our top 45, we provide the coaching that will help you hopefully break into a race car. Brilliant stuff. Alex Jung, thank you so much. All the best for everything you do. Thank you. Um, hope to speak to you in five years' time. Yes, <laughs> you too. Tune in next week for more Grandstand on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.